I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey guys, welcome to the 71st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enloe. Today we've got Mo Perkins, the director of A Quiet Little Marriage, The Last Time You Had Fun and uh, the upcoming season two of I Ship It. Uh, she's super smart, super interesting. Um, we talk, we go deep on how to form bonds with your actors, how to support them, and how to communicate with them. It's a really uh, insightful, smart, deep conversation about acting. Uh, and it's really great. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot. And I like how she prioritizes what makes a movie good. I think something that will make me think a lot in future projects, especially longer form projects. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to think about this, the conversation we had with Mo for a long time. Before we speak to Mo, would you like to give me a real, real, real quick rundown of what you've been up to lately? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm kind of in between projects right now. I just finished that show for Go 90, eight half-hour episodes, two months of shooting, real tired uh, and I'm about to go shoot an, a, a new show for black pills on a much tighter schedule but out in the desert wait and, I didn't know it was from black pills yeah yeah oh, that's cool yeah it's cool um and they've been really great um through adaptive though with with Kate Grady your previous guest um we'll be out in the desert for a little over a week yeah shooting in a ghost town I'm so excited for it um but uh yeah i'm pretty tired man i'm pretty <laughs> tired yeah i think it's hitting me today i'm in that strange um spot where i don't know if if you get this feeling orin but there's that kind of realization where you finally have all of the pieces together you're looking at your schedule and you know you've got this incredible cast and art people are asking you questions and they're sending you designs and we're doing a fitting on saturday and uh 
you realize how darn hard it is to make a thing and how hard this specific thing is to make, like just a little bit before everybody else. You know, like you're just, you kind of see the wave coming. (laughs) Yeah. Though I think that is like our jobs as directors. Sure. We have to ride the wave. Yeah. Are there specific scenes and set pieces that you're worried about or just the whole thing in general? The whole thing in general. And I think actually the the factor that's really got me concerned and we're trying a new thing I'll, I'll tell you about actually. Uh, the heat is a real thing. Like when I say we're out in the desert, we're in the Mojave. Um, we are halfway between Los Angeles and Las Vegas at a, a town called Calico, which is like a pit stop between the two and a preserved ghost ghost town that uh, Walter Knott of Knott's Berry Farms built and preserved. Oh, cool. um, That's why he makes preserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He has a passion for all sorts of preserves. Um, but, and it's really great. The whole town has come out and supported us and it's a really, all really seven ghosts, all seven ghosts. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Um, yeah, so it's, it, it's going to be tremendous, but you know, we're, I don't think we're going to get a hundred, up to 110 degrees, but we're definitely going to hit like 108, 105. So we, we're, we've concocted, um, a, um, a schedule. A schedule. We talked about this on the Did we talk about the siesta schedule? Yeah. You said that you Fuck. were having this crazy idea, but do you, yeah. is it going to actually happen? Yeah, we're actually going to do it. And I think the linchpin in, in being able to do it is that, so, so just to catch people up, but just in case we'll do, uh, basically a sunrise call, shoot until lunch, then have a three hour break. That's our lunch break, and then shoot uh, till uh, sundown, basically. The idea being that the hottest part of the day, people aren't working. People and aren't because working. they're all living there in Calico together, you more or less own them for the whole day. Exactly. A- and you're not keeping them from something fun. You know, that, that would be, it's a bummer to do that to a crew for a week when it's like, well, you can't see your friends, you can't go out to dinner, you can't make plans with anyone, you can't even see your spouse. All of that stuff gets really um, hard on a crew. Um, But because we're all just like hanging out together and staying at the same hotel that's literally seven minutes from our location, um, I'm not as worried about turnaround and things like that. So uh, I think it's going to really help the crew out. And uh, so I'm kind of just getting prepared to go to movie camp yeah, it's going to be really fun. Yeah. Is, are you getting going to bring your wife with you? My wife is coming. She's in the show. Oh. Yeah. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. Lucky duck. I know. So lucky. Yeah, I think she's going to have the best time because she's probably in like a scene a day. So she'll get to hang out by the pool. I'll get to relax. And um, yeah, it's going to be great. There's a drive-in movie theater nearby. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. I can't wait. Catch a movie at lunch. Mm-hmm. Three-hour break. Mm-hmm. We got a drone. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm so stoked. Oren. Yeah. What have you been working on lately? Mm, just been spending the last week working on the most perfect treatment for a job that I'm up against Matt for. Uh, this is actually the very first time that Matt and I have been up against each other for a job that required a treatment to be mm-hmm. written. Which makes it worse. Makes it way worse because even earlier today, I was like, should I even talk to Matt about it? Because we don't want to cross the streams. We don't want to cross pollinate. Yeah. Though, I don't know. I mean, there is this idea of us just like being happy for each other, you know, because one of us does a good job. It's good for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. sure. But uh, 
but it's you know we were talking about this off mic it just takes you know writing treatments is hard because you have to like kind of wander around in your own brain for a while Mm -hmm. and that stuff just takes time and i know you're super busy so i feel bad but part of me was wondering like i wonder if matt's treatment is going to be way better because maybe it'll just be more simple like he'll have Mm -hmm. an idea he'll write it down he'll blow it out like he'll spell it out yeah Yeah. he'll explain kind of his vision for it in terms of performances and sets or whatever camera moves and then i'll be like this is really simple and clean and Oren just like puked four (laughs) hundred thousand images and ideas on us and we don't know what he's thinking so uh so we'll see so i don't know there's that uh and yeah i've just been kind of writing a bit and I mentioned, you know, that show might be greenlit, but I don't know, just pitching. I have a lot of meetings this week, so we will see what happens. I always find that um, my year is kind of sliced in half by the 4th of July holiday and that people get going again after that. Yeah, it does seem like this week everything is really picked up and I'm excited. Today I was so busy, I didn't even play any video games. Hey, congrats, man. My alliance is pissed at me. <laughs> like, Oren, we need you for this hey, quest. <laughs> don't break the chain. You should quit. Well, I can't quit after I, one day. I understand. I understand. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get to Mo Perkins. Um, so, hey, we have Mo Perkins here with us. Hi, Mo. Hi. Uh, we met Mo. We both Matt and I know of Mo uh, from funny in funny ways. I heard about her because I got a call from my friend Sean Peterson, who <gasps> knows Mo, and he told me, like, hey, funny story, Mo just called me. She was looking for some guy that knows about VFX uh, for this job she's up for, and you were recommended to her. This is the version I heard. I guess you're, you're telling me a different version. Yeah, Peterson gets things wrong. He's a, he's a lovely human, but that, that's not, that wasn't it. Right. He, his name is on my marriage license. Like He's, he's like, we're tight, oh. so I get to... I can roust him all. Yeah, no, he's, even if you don't know him that well, he's definitely worth harassing. Yeah. Still trying to get him on the podcast. But anyway, she she was up for Miss 2059 season two. Yes. And she was looking for someone to talk about VFX with. And the person yes. she talked to told her like, hey, I can't talk to you about it because th- that's Oren's show. That's Oren's job. Yeah. And so that story, I guess, somehow incorrectly got to me. But that's how I learned of Mo Perkins. And as a threat what is like, who is this lady well here I'll, I'll counter that okay. um i know of you because i saw a quiet little marriage oh that's yeah. real nice and it's really great yeah oh you're so, oh, you're so that's sweet. the first you yeah. saw that a long time ago yeah yeah so i so i mean you you'd know what year it was i saw it at i want to say dances with films or it was at the Groman's chinese Oh, uh, AFI. AFI, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. a great screening. It was a great, yeah, super That's fun. so nice that you were there. Yeah. And that's Mo's feature. Yes. Um, that is my first feature. Your first feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, um, I think about it, you know, relatively often, because I feel like maybe you had a Q&A afterwards, and I think it was one of the first movies where I saw it, and I was like, oh, you can make a good movie. That's like just quiet and like in your own house. In your yeah. So, so was that? I, I, it's been a while. So yeah. was that actually your house? Yeah. That well. Yeah. The apartment was my apartment, and then we also had the upstairs apartment, which was identical mm. to my apartment in all ways, and that was the lead actor's apartment, 
And so we took over half the building and we would shoot like his bathroom and my kitchen. And then we would flip flop production into whatever apartment I slept in a room full of C stands. That was like, (laughs) it just, it's not super easy to do, but yeah. Sure. But you did it. And um, I did. Yeah. I mean, a pile of C stands is very comfortable to sleep on when you're tired. (laughs) You just lean on those suckers. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I just, yeah. You just clamp each shoulder. You don't even need to lay down. It's it. That's part of their benefit, yeah. Well, you ruined my pattern, Matt. I thought oh, so we were going to set up awkward uh, director no, competition. No, that's super sweet. That, uh, was okay. that is very sweet. I thought you had heard about Mo from the New Form job. Oh, no, no, no. I, I recognized the name from the New Form job. So in a, in a similar story, uh, Mo and I were up for the same job like two or three months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so that, oh, see, right. now it's awkward. No, yeah, yeah. This is good. <laughs> hey, right. but I'm a fan. Also, uh, you know, I think a, an important theme of the show is that, like, people are up for the same jobs all the time. All the time. All the time. Like, Lauren and I are literally up for um, the exact same job with our friends. It yeah. happens all the time. If, you can't take it personally, that's for sure. Do You also um, have to kind of celebrate each other. Like, yeah, a win absolutely. for one is a win for all, and yeah. if we're all working, that's a good world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, like, this is not an am- ambush or something weird. Oh, <laughs> just, that be it just got weird. <laughs> well, no, I thought it would be fun that there's a trifecta of awkwardness. Like, we were yeah. up, Mo and I were up for the same job. Matt and Mo were up for the same job, and Matt and I are up for the same job. It's mm-hmm. a it love is. triangle. Yeah, yeah. Of, with no love. With, yeah. But there's love. Look at that. Yeah. It, Here we see are how good the world could other, be? Like yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. If we each got one of these three jobs, it would be good. Yeah. Mo got one of the jobs. Yep. None of us got uh, the second job. No. Oh, that's true. And so only one of us will shoot. We'll have one of the... Uh, but there's actually a really good chance that neither you or I will get this next job. And yeah. There's a real good chance there'll be more jobs. Yeah, I don't know, Mo. This is it. If it doesn't happen this time, I'm out of here. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. I'm moving back to Orange County. Yeah. My job is set up for me. I'm going to talk you off the ledge. This is something interesting. So Matt and I are, it's us two and this other directing duo. We're all up for the same job. And because, you know, we know the people at the production company. You know the duo, too. Yeah, they gave us the, the duo, I, I don't know them personally, but the people at the production company Sometimes it'll give us a little bit of information. I, I don't know if you do this. To Matt. clarify, no, no, I never do this. But I don't then like I will. To know. I don't like to know. Don't and then know I know that he'll know, and I'll be like, "Well, who I else?" Should probably know. I should probably know. Well, I do that. I'll, look, first of all, I have a podcast about directing, so I like to know about other directors. Me, like, yeah, we're no, gonna, me too, but not like like Mo is. You know, do, do you know she's the co-chair of the Femme Fatale chapter in Hollywood, oh, which no. Los Angeles uh, co-chair. These, w- these dots are connecting for me. Now. I would women. think that that's yeah, yeah. the cool. LA chapter must be the most important chapter. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. We so, are the, the biggest? biggest chapter, but there are chapters all over the world. Like it's a global organization, right? Yeah. But so when we're pitching on shows, commercials, everything. Don't you want to see, if you didn't win, don't you want to see who got it and how they got it and what you did wrong? Oh, yeah. Not what you did wrong, but what they did better. Yeah, after, but not going in. Going in, I just want to be with my own creative process and prepping. I don't want to be thinking about who else is pitching the show. That's probably the healthier way. 
Because what I was going to say is this directing duo, I was like checking out their website today and I'm like, damn, oh, you are going they have deep. some really good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can't do it. Orin, no. Yeah, yeah. See, I no, I don't want to see their stuff ever. No, but I'll tell you one thing that I think it helps me with sometimes. Like usually it's just kind of stressful. Um, but first of all, it kind of pushes me to go a little bit harder. Okay. Um, if it, it's useful, then go for it. But the other thing to me, and this is something we talk about the, on the podcast all the time, is like, I think like a good director has like some sort of their own visual style and voice and um, mm-hmm. tone and feel. And, you know, they're either really good with comedy or kids or sci-fi or genre. Or, like, you know, we're all like, we all can do all of it, but we're really strong in one field. So if I go and I see, I know I'm going up against Matt and this other directing duo, I kind of try to think like, well, what's Matt really good at? Matt's really good at just kind of like straight comedy, like people being funny, improv, just like really pulling out you funny know, performances. A little bit of funny haha, but not um, joke jokey. I, now yeah. I want to know. I have to go watch your stuff. Yeah, yeah you know, someone's yeah. good. Some <laughs> okay. But you do a lot of comedy. I mean, sure. you do other stuff in dramedy and drama and everything, but uh, because I know what the... These, this campaign is about I know in my mind I have an idea of like how Matt would do this and so then I go I check out these other directors and I see their style and I their visuals are really nice they're really clean and their pacing is like really hectic and fast and like in your mm-hmm. face so I know kind of what they're gonna go with so then I try to think like well what's my angle like what makes me different from those guys right sure um, yeah, I, I, and that's, so, that's so that kind of helps back me. into a s- style, though, that maybe isn't necessarily authentic to what you want to do, right? I think um, you know it's nice to just think like, ah, what would be the Orrin Kaplan take on this campaign, and then just stick that. But you know? only if it does that to him, like if it fuels you sure, to make true. the better Orrin. Well, like, be, the, yeah. com- the competition fuels you, then. Dive into well, that. it helps me actually choose a direction because yeah. I see like I see this sure. specific campaign, and you can. I mean, you know, this podcast will come out after they choose a director, so I think I can say this. But the concept is really funny and really fun, but it's something we've seen before like a million times. Yeah, right. So it's like, how can we p- push it? You know, right. to but some they extreme want it to be special. Can right. the, can it be crazy improv? Can it be? crazy visuals or visual effects or super fast or interesting editing or like very graphical like there's something that will make it pop I think you Mm -hmm. know and stand out and I'm just trying to find like how do I connect with the product and the brand and the campaign like I don't want to see something on the on Matt's reel or on these other people's reel that's like a way better version of what I'm (laughs) pitching you know what I mean right like I want to do my own thing, so yeah, it's nice knowing who's a, who I'm up against. It's yeah, makes yeah. it easier. You you kind of pick the path. If you see a bunch of different things that are all equally exciting, it's nice to narrow it down, I suppose. Yeah, and that's something new I'm trying to do, which is just like pushing hard in a direction as opposed to being. I, I kind of like historically like hedge my bets. Like You're the oh yeah, guy who could do s- anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but also like it can be super fast. But you know we can do it in a wonder and we can take our time. Like whatever, like trying yeah. to feel out what they want. You know, yeah, trying to pitch them what they want, which ends up not being that good. Right. Do you do commercial branded? Never. Stuff? I have not. I mean, it's I guess it's a very nice show. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so I ship it. You directed the second season. I did. I did, like just finished. It's for CW Seed, right? It Maybe is. let's take a yeah. tiny step back just to get a little more okay. context, right? Because we talked about your first feature, right? Um, what did you do before that? Before leading up to that feature, like all of it. <laughs> like yeah, the whole. Sure. You went so to when film I was. <clears throat> I did. I uh, yeah, okay. I I grew up on a hippie commune, so I didn't have film or television. Mm-hmm. And all growing up as a child? For a long time, like way longer than you. But you um, had music. We had mu- hippie music. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up on this place called The Farm, which maybe... is you... kind of famous, right? It's a famous hippie commune. Yeah. It was in Tennessee, and it went for um, 20 years. Yeah. And I was born there, and it was like a... It was like a bubble community. It was like, I don't know, 1,500 people on a subsistence, like farming, farming community in the middle of Tennessee. So it was a cultural experience, Mm -hmm. a totally immersive cultural experience. You had like running water and electricity and stuff. Yeah, later. But we had outhouses. (laughs) Like I was like Amish and Mm tie-dye. That's my childhood. So I didn't, yeah, right, different. And I didn't, um, I didn't know that you could be a director. But at some point in my childhood, somebody got um, a, a projector and a print of Alien. Oh, and this is the best story I've ever heard. I'm literally wearing an <laughs> Alien hat right now. That's so good. No. Yeah, Alien yeah. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And they got a projector and everybody carried their couches out into a field. And they sewed together a bunch of bed sheets and... We all watched. This is like a scene this from a TV show. I'm gonna show. cry. Alien. This is incredible. We watched Alien and it blew my mind. Was there yeah, sound? It did. Yeah, there was sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You've sewed sheets. What did you, you guys build? Speakers? Yeah, no, it's speakers. They're hi- hippies. Sure, they, hippie. they had, yeah, yeah. They had yeah, speakers. Yeah, yeah. But um, that was my first movie experience. And then, so. And how old are you? Ah, uh, like seven, that eight. Is, I'm like. That's that really is cool. So incredible! So like you're literally feeling the power of cinema it in the most potent way. Blew our minds, and all the kids. We just played Alien for the next year. Sure. Like that's all we did with our time. It was like, who's going to be Ripley? Um, me. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we left the commune, um, the commune kind of fell apart in the '80s, mm-hmm. and we moved out to Northern California, which is like commune light. Sure. <laughs> right. Like Santa Cruz. Um. No, Sonoma County. Okay. But um, my sisters and I were kind of cultural. Like, we were odd. Like, we didn't know about acid wash jeans and cabbage patch kits. Like, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, had, I We didn't know about money. There's no money on the commune. <laughs> right, wow. Right. So we were weird. We were so like. You were like, I'll give you seven tomatoes. We, we were straight off the communist block. We were just like red diaper babies and with our weird tofu sandwiches it was like we were not cool kids at school and so um we were lonely and so what we would do is we would take the bus into santa rosa to Cottingtown mall and we would buy a ticket to the earliest movie and then we would stay all day Mm -hmm. and i would just go from theater to theater to we just snuck and i think probably the theater just took pity on the like weird orphan kids who like just like <laughs> camped out but I would stay and see every movie and then if I liked one I would stay and see it twice so I was seriously like got the bug yeah really bad but I still didn't know that it was something that people did right it was like as a fan I was a fan I was a fan but I was a f- like yeah I was a fan that's fair 
Um, and then I figured out in Santa Cruz in undergrad, as I was also a brain, so mm-hmm. I made my way with whatever to college, and um, I was a science major, and all of my electives were film, but, <laughs> but they were like film theory classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Santa Cruz is kind of more... It didn't have yeah. a yeah. I didn't have a like a robust production scene. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like getting an English degree, but with movies. Yeah. 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 So I was in there doing that, and then and they also didn't have grades at that time, right? Yeah, they didn't have grades, but that that that, that was good for me. <laughs> I fit right in with the hippie, and then um, I figured out there one day that I didn't want to do science, but it was somebody like in the Peterson realm was like, okay, Perkins come take a video class and I got a hold of a camera and I just kind of never looked back. That's Damn. what a great origin story. So That's good. Very cool. It's, yeah. yeah. And then uh, grads, well, and then Bay Area nonprofits like Bayvac. Do you know Bayvac? No. Yeah. Yeah. Bayvac's cool. Yeah. So I worked at Bayvac for a year and kind of bounced around and I was like, oh God, if I stay in production, especially nonprofit, I'm never going to have any energy to make my own stuff. So I did UCLA grad school. UCLA, that was great. Mm-hmm. Like not everybody needs that, but I really needed that. Like I learned how to work with actors. Mm-hmm. And UCLA is an interesting program. It's a little more independent than like an SC, right, or AFI. Yeah, it's smaller. Mm-hmm. Like they take, I don't know, 10 to 12 students a year. So it's it's just different. It's very auteur-oriented, right? It's a little more... I, I mean, I haven't been there for a while, but sure, yeah, sure. it was. It was like, find your voice, learn how to work with actors. The The benefit is you, like... I was thinking about this actually on the way over for if you're talking about people who are coming up and wanting to be directors. You don't have to go to film school to do this, but one thing that they force you to do is they force you to work in every role. Mm-hmm. So I edit, I boom, I, like, produce, I... Like, I really got my hands in so that when I go and I am the leader of a crew, I have a really good working understanding of what everybody's Mm -hmm. job is so that um, I can be a good leader. Mm -hmm. And that's something that film school gave me. Um, Oh, my God, I'm talking way too much. No, no, no. no. This is really (laughs) good. Mo, Mo, you're on a podcast. (laughs) You're actually, I was talking way too much in the beginning of this. We're interviewing you. We're going to cut that part out. It's okay. Oh, Lord. Okay, film school. And then I got out and like all the people who go to film school, I was like, woohoo, hire me. Like I'd done well at Mm -hmm. a short that was nominated for a Student Academy Award, and I was Ooh, like, yeah, good in fun. my class. I uh, graduated out of UCLA, and then um, I was ready to get hired, and nothing happened. So um, I had to kind of figure that out. And that is part of UCLA. It's an auteur program that is very focused on um, growing you as an artist and making sure that you have all the tools to be a strong director. It uh, sorry, UCLA, that I love so much. It falls short a little bit, maybe all film schools do, on giving you a good bridge into how to make it an actual business for yourself. So I see people come out of school and flounder for a few years as they figure out, oh, yeah, I have to, <laughs> I'm not going to... Th- there's no, like, studio yeah, coming to f- find me. Yeah, I think that that's pretty common with film schools nowadays because in a certain sense, maybe in a pessimistic sense, they're selling us a dream. Right, like 
I went to USC. It's art school. But it's SC, art school. <laughs> SC seems like don't better. Yeah, you always hear that they are, know about. They teach you about the business. Of they're better. Their networking is better. The, there are things that are really wonderful about USC. Uh, Matt went to USC. And I went, so I went to undergrad though. So I, there is a big difference between the grads. My husband went to USC. Oh, right on. Mm-hmm. Al right Haberman. Nice. Al Haberman. There you go. Um, do I recognize that name? Maybe he made a movie called Special. Oh yeah. About the superhero. Yeah, with Michael Rappaport. Yeah. Wait, it's not. It is. It's not the one with um, who's the guy from The Office? No, Rain Wilson. Super. Super. Okay. Yeah, that's Special. A James, that's a James Gunn movie. Oh, okay. Special. But I know who was the producer. Was it oh? Oh, Ed and Frank. Can okay. you know Ed and Frank? No, I guess no. I know the producer of Super. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but I, I definitely special's know great. about Special. Yeah, Special's great. That was like a Sundance film, and it got by. Bought by Magnet, did theatrical. Yeah, I, oh, cool. I've definitely one thousand percent heard of it. Yeah, it's good, um, but I haven't. I don't know if I've seen it. I'm a fan. We'll I check it out. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, what were we saying? Oh, oh, but uh, yes, they're they're selling a dream a little bit, right? Yes. So, um, if uh, if they were really honest about the lifestyle that most say directors have. Um, even though it's great, it's it's a little intimidating, you know. Like I don't think an eighteen-year-old kid would be ready to say, like, "Yeah, I'm I'm happy freelancing and not knowing where my next paycheck is coming from, and working insane hours and being happy to work twelve-hour days for weeks at a time." You know, that right. sort of stuff. Right. People, you know, a doctor they know what their lifestyle is like, and that it's hard. But a director, you just think you're having, you know meetings by poolside all the time and then I didn't calling think, action. I, well, I hippie commune. Sure. I, was, I was like, sure, sure. indoor plumbing? Yeah. So cool. <laughs> I was like, so, um, so what did you think it would be like, though? That's interesting. Um, I thought that I would find producers who were excited about my voice and that we would make auteurish. I thought I would be Cassavetes. Mm-hmm. Well, were you writing your stuff, too? Not enough. Because to me, that's the thing that I see the people that... Are, that move really fast out of film school are the ones that are that that because it's really easy to you can write a script by yourself you need no money for it you can start sending it to people well that's when I figured it out I was like oh I no one is coming for Mm -hmm. me and I have to this is my job I have to create projects and I have to create work and energy and I am in charge of not just directing films but I have to direct my career Mm -hmm. and I have to be as strategic about how I move forward as I am when I have an impossible get for a film. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't care, I'll get an elephant. <laughs> like, that's my job mm-hmm. for me um, at the same time. But it took me a few years to find that. Yeah, I mean, that's... I didn't go to film school, but... You don't I, have to. I, I, don't think th- I don't think you have to. Part I, of it, part of this podcast is the, like, I moved to L.A. or I am just graduated from film school and, like, what now? Because it is that that part that obviously no one has the same exact path, but there are, I think the reasons that nothing happens is because you're like putting nothing out there, you know? Yeah. You have to, it's like fishing and you have to put like bait on the end of your hook, hook, rod, hook, (laughs) um, in order to attract someone, you know? And yeah, I think like if I was nominated for Student Academy Award, I'd be like, hey, where are all the phone calls? Where's the because mm-hmm. you feel super, you know, you see like all these websites mentioning you. Yeah, yeah. And then two ready. weeks later and you're okay. telling your parents that you're like, yeah, I probably made it. 
got to all be emails. I email. never told my parents. <laughs> I still don't tell my parents that. But I did, I did think that I would have more meetings, and I had very few, and they were kind of with people who weren't really... Yeah, couldn't do much. Yeah. I remember I did this during the writer's strike. The, I made this video about the writer's strike, and it was written up in Variety, and I got this call from this like guy from uh, New Wave Entertainment, and I was like, oh, they probably want to rep me, and they love me. And basically, he's like, can I have a meeting with you? And I was like, sure. And I met him, and he was wanted to know how I got around working with SAG on the short film. Right. He was not interested in me creatively at all. He was just <laughs> wondering if I could help him with, like, internet legalese and I was like did he, I told like a thousand people about the meeting <laughs> did he at least buy you lunch did yeah you, it was in his office you got water he got me water yeah mm-hmm. damn it Fiji though <laughs> uh, did you get Fiji I do not remember no. I think it was in Arrowhead. one of those round bottles that's <laughs> yeah. not enough it's uh, not enough so what was your next move well that that was Quiet Little Marriage um, so that was your first feature that was my first feature and that was kind of this has been my strategy, and this works for me. I don't know if this works for everybody, but um, to handle making things in a way that's slightly flexible. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I have an idea for something that I want to get off the ground, but I also um, I try to plan them to involve the tools that I have access to. So Quiet Little Marriage was like, I have some really amazing actor friends and they all want to work and I have a house and I could shoot in that. Like I, I, you wrote around your resources. I write around my resources and I do that a lot. I still do that. I I think the best indie films come out of that because you probably had more than like five days to shoot your movie. I shot that film in 13 days. That's still very short. I'm, yeah. But you I, own the house. Like, couldn't you reshoot something? Yeah. Well, when we first started doing it, I had the actors, and I was writing, and I included them in the story part of it. So I was like, what kind of thing do you want to play? And I had this idea about, I was newly married. I wanted to talk about marriage. And I had a crazy upbringing. Mar- like, my parents were nuts. So I <laughs> Sorry, mom. So I also All wanted. All our parents are nuts for the record. Nuh-uh. <laughs> In different <laughs> so, ways. <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk about marriage and the, the like. My, I, after marriage part, when things start to get hard, instead of the like getting together part, and um, my actor friends were also newly married. So I came to them and I was like, "This is the core. What kind of characters do you want to play with this as a nut?" and they did you brought, have like a beginning, middle, and end? I did. I had a, and it comes in different ways. I had a f- visual shot for the end of the movie, but I didn't mm, tell. So lucky. I, that happens to me a lot. That's good. I always have it for the beginning of the movie, and then I'm like, ah, now Wait, what? How do you end it? 100 yeah. pages to go. No, I work backwards so often. Oh, I'm smart. like, it ends here. How do I get there? Can um, you tell us what the, the shot is? Yeah. Do you remember the movie? It's been kind of That's a while. Okay. It's yeah. been a long time. It's an, I'm surprised. Like, I don't remember. Can you? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It was um, a couple, and they were sitting on a couch in black, and there was a baby in the middle in white. Hmm. And there was this feeling of, like, I don't know what's going to come. Mm-hmm. Like, a feeling of unease. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that's perfect. I'm going to have this couple get a baby in a complicated way. 
and then we we reverse engineered that situation. Mm-hmm. But it was super fun because um, now I'm talking too much again. Because what we did was um, I would write, and they were my friends, so they were captive. Mm-hmm. So we would rehearse the scenes, and then I would go back and rewrite based on the rehearsal process. And our original idea was we'll shoot one weekend, like mm-hmm. once a month for a year, and it'll be super cool because we'll get to see the seasons pass. We were in L.A. I don't know what we were thinking, but <laughs> we were like, we're going to include Halloween and Christmas and how weird that is in L.A. Did you own the camera? No. Was it digital or film? <laughs> oh, my God. We shot on like a Sony DSLR. It was like baby mm. gear. Yeah, yeah. It it looks Good. It looks good, and I, I feel like I remember in the Q&A you saying that it was a DSLR, and it was maybe the first feature I'd seen shot on a DSLR yeah. at that we point. Yeah, we didn't have any money. Was this before, sure. like, crazy and um, yeah. tiny furniture? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was before those yeah. films. We yeah. were just, ba- we didn't have any money. So then we started to, like, then we got a script, and then the the script was good, and then there was like, oh, maybe money. You know how that happens? Mm-hmm. And we got into the maybe money phase, and then the project changed into like an actual shoot, and then maybe money went away, and then it was like, ah, let's just like squeeze craft services out and like a <laughs> tiny bit, and all the UCLA friends came out, mm-hmm. and the actors just secretly, I don't know, they like helped out. You made it work. We made it work. And we shot it in no time. Yeah. In an apartment. And then it did well. Yeah. What's especially nice about that is that I think when you think of, oh, we shot a movie in 13 days, you think of like horror movies or really frenetic movies, things like that. This is like a a quiet, still, thoughtful movie. You know, like. Like, everything's very clearly composed. I, I don't recall a ton of camera movement or anything. No, no, it's I, like really... I'm not a handheld human. Yeah. I like composed shots. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. But just to try to back up my point of, like, why indie films are good, it's beca- it, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you really knew your actors and had rehearsed so many of the scenes before you started shooting. I love rehearsal. So that time... I love actors. I love rehearsal, and I never can get enough of that. So, yeah. We and had, you got to see what was working and not working and rewrite based on that. So that's like something... Dream. Yeah. So if you don't have money and time, all you have is preparation. So as much preparation as you can possibly get is only going to make that situation better. If you don't prepare and you have no money and time, I mean, good luck. Yeah, but the hard part is if you have no money and time and cast. like Right, so you choose, that's what I'm saying, is like, I knew I had no money, so, and I also, I, I had really good actor relationships, just from making short films, where actors trusted me because they knew I was serious and that I, I would work with them, and... Um, you cared about what they thought. I cared about what they... I still care about what they think. And I I also... I had proven myself to a, a pool mm-hmm. of actors over a period of time so that they knew I would make them look good. Well, that's... Yeah, that's awesome. Because I think of like movies like Crazy or Bellflower or um, uh, Sound of My Voice, like those super low-budget movies, those people not only like wrote around their resources, but they, in half of them, the filmmakers starred in the movie so that they can... It's like 
it's so cohesive, you know, the story right. that they're telling. They know the people, you know, it's as opposed to like when we're, Matt and I are doing like commercials or branded content or mm-hmm. something and like literally the first time we meet an actor is on set, right. you know, and it's like, and we have two hours to shoot something. On this last job, through weird circumstances, I shot a scene before I'd introduced myself to an actor. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. It was while you were throwing up. We were, yeah, while well, throwing up, yeah. <laughs> that was when Matt got really <laughs> sick on set. <laughs> It was, uh, for the record, it was a, a couple days after. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, it was a thing where, just to explain myself so I'm not, don't sound like a complete idiot, uh, it was a thing where the characters were in a car, and so my two leads were in the front, and then my third lead was in the back seat, and then the kind of the other, there, you know, there was a bunch of people basically in the car, and so one person had just gotten through the works, they jumped in the car to shuttle over to where we were shooting, and I had like ten minutes before lunch. So that character had one line. We just ran it, and then I was like, "Oh, hello, nice to meet you." <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you when I did. You know, I did this thing with all these like celebrities a few weeks ago: Sarah Silverman, Jack Black, Will Arnett. Like, I don't actually know if Sarah Silverman or Jack Black even knew that I was the director. They still might not know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They definitely would not recognize me on the street, but even... Because I was telling them, like, you know, I was directing them, but, you know, an AD sometimes does that same stuff. Like, I was like, okay, can you hold the ball? Let's do an action, and let's try one more, and maybe do this. But that's so different. It's so different. I also could do that, and I would be fine doing that. It's so different than telling a... Sure, then, then like building a, a character and getting it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, right, then right. Also, right. Sarah Silverman came in and did her thing. Yeah, that she's very good at. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, your yeah. job is different. In yeah, that you're not moment. telling Sarah Silverman how to be Sarah Silverman. You're like making sure a shot doesn't get blocked weird. Which is also your job, right? Sure. But I, to me, and again, I I talk about this on a previous podcast, but like to me, one of the biggest jobs of the director is to like think in their mind how this is going to edit together. You know, and like if you have one of the very first shows I did at Disney was like we had five actors that were all acting in a very kind of specific pace and manner. And then we had a sixth actor that came in later in the season and he was just like he was was out of an indie film and they were from like a sitcom, you know, and you could just see like I was like, how is this going to cut together? He's talking so slow and thoughtful and real and natural, which is great, but it does not fit in with this show. And so. I have to like start directing his performance in a very technical way, thinking of the edit. Anyway, so I think that's like the the thing with those celebrities. You at least need to have in your brain like is a what rhythm. they're doing going to work with what everyone else has been doing. You know? Yeah. No. No. It's not not directing. It's just a different thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe right. you don't need as much access to them in order to adjust, which is your job, to make it work for your final project. Yeah, but also I guess I'm saying that if I did have time with them, you know, it, I think there it would have felt more cohesive and it would have yeah. been better. And that's something in indie film that you sometimes get, like like when you see a really good indie film, when you see like a Moonlight, it's because these people like really, you know, got to know. That's not true though. Like uh, uh, <laughs> I know the mom. The mom had three had, days for three days. Yeah, yeah. But his whole process of pitching her, she didn't even want to do the role. And this whole Barry Jenkins process of pitching her and getting her on board had to do with going deep and telling, explaining to her how that character was his mom, you know? Um, so, I don't know. 
I guess the point is when you, it's amazing when you have time to get to know and work with your actors before you have to shoot them. Yeah, no, it's a blessing. But there are cheats. You're right. There are cheats that if you don't have that time, there are ways and shorthands to get um, your vision into an actor's brain beforehand rather quickly so that you're all working on the same page. Is it okay if we fast forward to present sure. day? Yeah. So let's talk about that. So, you, so I ship it. Uh, okay. Is the the thing that you just wrapped? I did. Uh, it, we had Yulene on the show before. She was the creator of the show. She She's directed the first season. Genius human. She's very impressive. She's smart. Matt and I were like, geez, like look at her, and she, you know, just like shoots stuff all the time and has She's ideas, smart. and just like puts yeah. some wallpaper on the wall and shoots something amazing, and you're like. Ugh, she makes it look so easy. Making it look easy, yeah. Um, but uh, so she had all this kind of back, like history with the project, and then you come on, and yeah. then you have to start shooting in a few weeks. How do you get to that level with the actors like you did on your feature? Oh, so because fast. I yeah, because I don't have as much act, I, I don't have as much access to them, and um, well. I don't know if I can talk about it. <laughs> uh, I do it. I if I can't have a rehearsal with them, I make sure that I have a coffee with them, a conversation with them. I just start showing up the place. I'm like a stalker. So if they have a costume fitting, I'm there right. and I'm talking to them. Well, we're talking about story while we're talking about costume. And they're starting to understand my mm -hmm. vision. And there are ways, like, the moment you meet an actor, even in an audition, you're already directing them and you're building the language and they are absorbing and starting to come together with your vision. So if you don't, I, I actually insisted that I got rehearsal for mm -hmm. I Ship It because it was, again, an extremely ambitious shooting schedule. And did you rehearse every single scene? No, I don't do that anyway. Even with Quiet Little Marriage, I don't rehearse every single scene. I, I rewrote based on some scenes, but I didn't... Um, I, I have a different... But we talked. They, uh, we, did the, we talked their entire um, story arc. We knew where key beats were, and then we chose certain scenes to rehearse. Um, yeah, I, I got rehearsal with I Ship It, because I fought mm. for it, because I knew... Uh, that if we were on, yeah, if we were on set, you, you spend that time somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You always spend that time somewhere. Yeah, whether it's rehearsing on set or in the edit bay, <laughs> trying to figure out how to make it work. Lord help you. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you spend that time somewhere. So to kind of just um, clarify, because I think there are probably listeners out there who are like, well, why, why wouldn't you have rehearsal, right? Oh, and yeah. I think there's that kind of strange bump where all of a sudden SAG can be a complication because depending on the project, sometimes you have to pay for rehearsals. Yeah, it's or money. Or people aren't available. They, you it's know. money or, or unavailability. Yeah. Yeah, you have, to, you have to pay people for their time. Right. Um, and that's fair. This is a naive question, though. Uh, is it their full rate for rehearsals? How does it work? I don't know. Yeah. You I just, don't know. Yeah. So. I just I, I tell the producers I need rehearsal and they say, How much? <laughs> and I say, as much as I can get. Yeah, good. <laughs> and then yeah. and then we just negotiate down. Smart. But they know I because I'm not um 
I'm not a diva director at all. And I, I, I lay it out really clearly. Like, you want me to have time with these actors because you want me to make my days and bring them in on time. And I will promise you, mm-hmm. and I am a person who really does that, mm-hmm. that I will be that director for you and I'm going to save you money by doing that if you let me prepare properly. Because mm-hmm. that... Smart. Yeah. And, and is that, this something you said after you got the job or... I don't know. I think I just always say that. Because to me, like, that, that's a big thing, with, like, getting jobs is, like, at what point do you start making demands? You know? Oh, the rehearsal part? Yeah. Oh, they knew... Yeah, I think in my interview pitch... I was I was telling I, it's clear if you meet me I'm a director who likes actors. I was like please I want to be involved in the casting process even if I'm just a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. I will I will be useful to you because I can spot things. Um, I'm a very good reader. I know how performances can move. I know which actors can move and how far. And um, so please let so I got to be a part of all of that which was great. But I think in my hey get to know me and hire me moment it was pretty clear that I like actors. Sure, but I think there's a big difference between liking actors and being a director who insists on... Rehearsal. Rehearsal time, <laughs> sure. We, you know, we are both married to actors. We right. love them. Right. But like, I think we both kind of... I don't want to speak for you, Oren, but like, when I'm thinking of budget constraints, I'm thinking about background or like a stupid toy or something like that. Rather than insisting on rehearsal time, in that's a way funny. That's really smart. I would never. That's the opposite sure. for me. Yeah, but it, it's project dependent. Like I'm never going to go into the project that you just described and say, "I really need Sarah for a day before," because <laughs> that's not reasonable. But for a project like I ship it, where I was being asked to, um, can uh, to really achieve sure. a lot. And if performances aren't good in a series, there's no reason to make it. Like, if, if you don't get the, the pretty jib shot, mm-hmm. there's still a reason to make the show. But if your actor isn't any sure. good, there's no reason to make So I have a hierarchy. Like, there's a good performance is the, where it starts. And you can be a handheld iPhone, clearly nowadays. But if you have a good performance... Mm-hmm. It can be out of focus. Sure. <laughs> but if you have a good f- performance, then you have something that will engage people. And then you just you work from there and you layer on, now it's a pretty camera. Now it's a, it's a moving master. And, now, like, and all the other things can come. But none of those things are worth watching. Sure. If it's crap. You, you know what I, I love so much about that thought is that I think it's easy to look at... Uh, a quiet little marriage and say absolutely those fundamentals are that's the whole thing that's the point of the movie right but 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 so and like i said my other movies it's like it's (laughs) like i said it's very still it's really performance driven all of that so it lives or dies by those performances i ship it is a show that has a ton of style right totally it's a a musical it's bubblegum it's pop so it's easy for uh, you know, when I pitched on it, I, I probably said things that were wrong in re- in relation to what you're talking about. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it it's too, fundamentals. Can it's, we go into this? Sure, yeah. I'd I love to hear how you, you can definitely say no if you want. I don't know. I can tell you, like, I ship it has people who kiss. And if I don't care about them when sure. they kiss, 
I, it doesn't matter how poppy. Like, even if the song is good and the colors are bright. Even if the song yeah. is good, if I don't yeah. want them to smooch and it doesn't sure. like rip my heart out when they don't, then why well, I don't care. Yeah, no, that that's. It, but is that it's something so obviously true? And I just I'm like, yeah. Uh, even in a show that pop, it's important. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but so, so what did what did you say to get Aisha? I don't know. I mean, I just told them what I would do with it. Visually, performance-wise, tonally? Because there was a first season to go off of. There was a first season to go off. So I told them what I loved about the first season, which Mm -hmm. was a ton. And then I shared things that maybe I thought could have been stronger about the first season. And based on... um, the scripts that I had read, I mm-hmm. kind of talked about the, I, which I can't tell you about because sure. that's secret. But where the show was going and how that was exciting to me and what I thought I could bring to it specifically, like here's my toolbox, what you do, but mm-hmm. within a vacuum without checking out other people. Right. <laughs> but definitely, I checked out them, so I knew right. a lot about. I you did saw all the whole first all season. my homework, all my homework. I'm a homework girl. I and like did homework. you have any notes on the script? Tons. It, that you shared before you got the job. Yes. But especially with that one, because I don't know if you guys remember, but it was right before the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the scripts for um, I Ship It Season 2 were too long. Especially because I knew a little bit about what they were trying to achieve in the amount of time that they had allotted. And I looked at the scripts and I told them very clearly like it was not possible. And then I told them where I thought things could be condensed and cut. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I came in super swoony mm-hmm. and in yeah. love with the kiss. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and the, like, those moments, and I have a real passion for sure. West Side Story, mm-hmm. and I love singing in the rain, and I have watched musicals over and over and over again, and um, even, like, the Doris Day ones, sure. I was like, oh, yeah, have yeah, you yeah. seen Pillow Talk? Sure. It's amazing. Oh, we brought so, that up Pillow Talk. Yeah, so yeah. I was a dork. Yeah, yeah. With a, a lot of passion. And may, that's... I yeah. feel, Actually, I feel like every job that I've gotten where I was my own true self, passionate about that project, um, those, those are the jobs that I, I knew I landed instantly. Sure. And then the ones where I was like, I'm going to stretch... And I kind of like this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to make a whole thing where I marry this part of myself to this new kind of... Yeah, you can't fake passion. Certainly not. Yeah. And I think, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not no, saying no, you no. didn't have passion. Sure, sure. You know, and I did. I do. I am a little bit of um, a, a cool cucumber sometimes, you know? So even when I, my wife does an impression of me where she frowns and says, I love that. <laughs> and that's me liking something. Oh yeah. Um, so like, I have to remind myself to smile on set. Actually, that's really no. I, well, you I don't and know. I are opposite. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I know yeah. you too well, but I feel like you're very animated and excited about. I'm things. positive, and I love my job, but um, I can be a little withholding sometimes. I, you know, speaking of loving actors, it's kind of this thing where uh, I, I'm not super effusive with them, and like really, the highest compliment I can pay an actor is like moving on. <laughs> you oh know my god, I mean? you and I are opposites. Yeah. but I, yeah. I do think like if you were directing your wife or I was directing my wife, like that's the that's 
the rehearsal time, sure, you're working out the scenes and you're rewriting, but you're getting to know these people. Mm-hmm. And it's like now, now when you're filming them, you're like filming your friends. And so they get to know you too. If you like smile or giggle, that might be enough for them to know that you feel good about it, you know? It's like just, people know that I'm kind of like a quiet person. Yeah. I approach them as individuals and every actor is so different. Sure. And really I see my job as figuring out what works for them and bringing that to them to make their job easier. So there are some actors, like I have this one actor who is brilliant and I love, love, love. He will never trust his performance. So he will want another take for the for the Forever. whole night. Right. And he'll look at me really scared, like I didn't do it. And so for him, moving on is the compliment. And mm-hmm. I know that he needs me to be there at the exact moment to look him in the eye and say, this is the moment we're moving on. And that's my gift for him. Mm-hmm. And, and does then I he have, say, did we get it though? Was it good? Did he, did, did I do a good Well, job? at this point we've worked together like three or four times. So there's a trust built. So we, it gets shorter the more you work with them. Sure. But then I have other actors who are like, I need one more. And I know that that person is telling me, I just found something that you're going to freak out about. Please like, find it in your schedule brain to give me one like they're all different and the the way that you direct them is so specific to what's going to be useful to them that's part of what you find in rehearsal Mm, is a common language Mm -hmm. so that when you're there on set you're speaking not your director language Mm -hmm. but their actor language and Mm-hmm. Different actors have different toolboxes. Right. They have different ranges and they have different needs. And some of them, if you come at them with the wrong tool, will shut down on you. Sure. <laughs> sometimes you need a screwdriver, sometimes you need a hammer. Yeah. So would you say you're nourished by it or energized by it in a sense? Or Yes. I am energized. Okay, it's, it's like um, you spend so much of your time like thinking about what you did in the past or or worrying about what's going to happen in the future. And when you're on set and you're dialed in, you're just so fully in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be totally nourishing, Mm -hmm. like magical. Like that's what art gives you is this ability to just be totally present in the moment and aware and adjusting exactly what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And I find that really exhilarating mm-hmm. you, I suppose is that not what you were asking you, well you, like do I get tired as a director no yeah. no no well, do you mean like about mean, like switching I, gears I, when I the guess, AD is like uh, no it's not even that it's like uh, I guess what I'm because I'm so in the moment right and because like you know it, once I know that we've got it we need to move on to the next scene even if an actor maybe has like a moment where they need to talk to me for a second you know, I'm, I become less and less available for the kind of extra part of, of the job, right? Like you, you're talking about like, oh, you're, you're understanding who responds to what, right? Right. But like at a certain point there's like, to put it crassly, like I I got what I needed and I've got another thing to do. So like, I, I can't tell you how great you were right now. Right. But it takes two seconds to make eye contact with an actor and say, that was good, and I'm moving on. And then you move on, and that actor is... There. This is just a difference of style. Sure. And then that actor is there for you next time you need them because they feel taken care of, and they are also... They feel 
directed. Mm-hmm. It's a, just a different style. Like I, this is clearly where I dork out. Mm-hmm, this sure. is where I hold camp, and then they are the core of my job. And then I layer, and then the next core of my job is the camera, mm-hmm. and then the next core of my job is the entire set and the vibe on set and how everything is working Mm -hmm. straight down to like, if the coffee is good, Mm -hmm. that is also in my radar, but it's in my, because that can break a set. (laughs) That's like death. But, but the, the very most important part of my job is them. Mm -hmm. Um, but how, you know, you, you talk about your vision for I ship it. You talk about meeting, going to the fittings so you can talk to actors and really tell them how you see the story and where the beats turn and everything. Um, but there's a showrunner and a creator of the show. Yeah. Uh, and she must have her own vision and her ideas. And how do you, how much do you worry about that when you're having these moments of discovery with the actors? A ton. She's my first job. Mm-hmm. The showrunner is my first job because I've taken uh, I've taken on a responsibility. I'm like a surrogate. Mm-hmm. Like she's sure. been she's been working on that material for a year. It is her baby and she's entrusting it to me. So my first job is to download her brain. Like tone meetings cannot be emphasized enough. Like I really need we need to be on the same page. So your vision is a uh a collaboration of both of your vision. It's like a hell yeah on 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 a series where I have a showrunner. If it's an indie feature, it's a different that's a different job. But if there is a showrunner, the hierarchy is very clear, and her vision is it's paramount. And my job is to bring her beautiful things from my own brain, like a like a cat offering up a mouse. <laughs> like, I brought you this, and doesn't it fit lovely with all the beautiful things that you've already... You know what I mean? Like, Right, so you're pitching her before you tell the actors your ideas. Not necessarily. Sometimes. Yeah, specifically, there were a couple things that mm-hmm. I wanted to try with characters in the I Ship It world that were more from me. Mm-hmm. And I definitely auditioned them first, because... It doesn't help anybody if I go and I tweak something to my liking and it just ends up on the cutting room floor right. or heaven forbid waste time. <laughs> like, right. like, like I could have a really like, ooh, if this character is actually kind of like this and I go in and I futz that actor in that direction and then my showrunner gets to set and is like, well, no, that is absolutely, this is. Like I ship it season two, but this is season five, and that actor in season six is headed here. And if you do mm-hmm. that now, you muck up our whole trajectory. Like, I I don't want to get into that kind of, I don't want to ruin anybody's baby. Right. So my homework is know them, know their vision, know their show, mm-hmm. and then see where things that are magical and me, I can add to that instead of like. Hijacking it. Hijacking it. That was not the quick answer you wanted. No, <laughs> no, no. Actually, it was a bad. <laughs> no, that's <blank>. wonderful. <laughs> okay. Is there um, any relief in having a showrunner? Right. Like, there's a little bit of that burden of being the decider that is kind of maybe offset. I like being the decider. You like it? Yeah. I like it so much. Yeah. Um, the relief in being a showrunner is the, especially in this last experience is the relief of having smart people on set mm-hmm. because 
everybody just brings it like you make each other better sure i guess you're always accountable right it's always you if, still always are the director right? if it's bad it's yeah. my fault right mm-hmm. if it's good everybody brought something awesome <laughs> right. right like that's the truth sure. man if it's yeah. bad it's our job yeah, we, yeah. Well, we, right because we make good stuff when our team all does a good all job, does a good job and it's our job to create a team in which people are bringing good mm-hmm. right but the show it's also the showrunner's job it is also the showrunner's job but i as a sure and so the she can take that on for herself but for me i take on like it's my job to get everybody to bring their best. Yeah. I loved having showrunners on Miss 2059, but one of the big parts, we rehearsed like for one day. I got, I chose like six scenes I wanted, really wanted to rehearse. And I really wanted the showrunners to be there because I did not want to be on set, like you said, pushing them in one, the actors in one direction because I had like ideas. Your showrunners were your actors, right? No. Uh, no. Well, Anna Kana the, was the star. She was the creator, but we actually had... These two guys, Aaron two and Simon. Oh, I see. Okay. They were, yeah, Anna's probably one of the busiest people I've ever met in my life. She literally schedules her day in 15-minute chunks, Aww. and she does what she sets Amazing. out to do. She wrote a book. She, like, goes to Japan, like, for two weeks. She, like, does all these, like, insane things yeah. while making really impressive YouTube videos and being in Marvel movies and yeah. being like on shows and hanging out and writing. And I don't know. Anyway, there so are these people where you secretly like you're a twin. I know, yeah. I know you're a twin. And you're well, like, she, else is you know, she wanted to play twins on the show and I kind of put <laughs> my like, foot oh. down. And I was like, you're not even going to be there the whole time. Cause she, Oh, she also does stand up comedy. She had like right. two stand up comedy shows in the middle of our shoot. Um, so, uh, so, yes, of course, that's a different dynamic where the lead actor also created the show and is the has the final right. word on everything. There is, like, a certain amount of control that I have to... I have to check in. Like, if I'm giving her some direction and she doesn't like it, then that matters a lot, you yeah. know? Or if I'm giving a different actor direction and she doesn't like it, that matters. But, um, but the showrunners... Like you said, they're super smart. I want them on set and I want us working on a team on set. So I just want to double check before we get to set that the direction I'm pushing things in is in sync with Mm -hmm. what they're thinking. It also matters, like that show was season one. Mm -hmm. So it's like you don't have the benefit of going back and doing all your homework and kind of Mm -hmm. feeling the like the work is unestablished. So anything could happen. So it's even more important that you download their brains, right? Yeah, and on that show, there was a pilot that got the show sure. sold. And they're like, there's some things we like from the pilot and there's some things we don't like. And there's certain people on set that are more connected to the pilot and certain people that are less connected. And mm-hmm. so there's, it's not drama really, but there is a little bit of politics. Oh, there's of, a, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's not like, there's no, nothing really negative, but there's like, trying to figure out what to stay true to and what not to, you know. But anyway, I don't know. I think it's all it's all fun the fun part of the challenge. That's why sure. directing is so great, I think, because there's like no right answers. It just makes everything more interesting. Um but we should wrap it up. Okay. Uh do you know about unpaid endorsements? Unpaid endorsements. So I, I can go first. Sure, yeah, sure. Go, yeah, go first. 
I am re-endorsing something that was talked about on Script Notes. So mm. probably 90% of our audience already knows about it. But I, it's this app for your Mac called Yoink. And um, it's $7. And it, a lot of times when you're working on a laptop and you wanna, you're making a treatment or a deck or you're, you're just trying to move files from one application to another, like you have to like shrink your windows down and you're trying to drag them to different places. And Yoink is just whenever you drag any file or picture or block of text... It opens up this like sidebar on the left side of your screen and you can just drop it in there. And then when you go to any other application, you can just drag it back out. So mm. it's just like a really easy it's way. It's like a drawer, to, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like a drawer. So let's say you made something in Photoshop and you want to put it in a treatment, you know, or let's say you just downloaded all these images and you want to, and they're on your desktop and you want to email them to someone or something from Gmail. So I don't know, it's just super cool. It's called Yoink. And I tweeted about it, that I really liked it today. And then the, the person that made it tweeted back Aww. and said they're excited that I'm going to mention it on the podcast. That's so, so nice. nice. Yeah. 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 Yoink. Well done. Matt, you got anything? Um, but yeah, so, so my unpaid endorsement is the show Detroiters. You guys know that show? It's like, it, is it still on? It's, they got picked up for season two. It's a Comedy Central show. It's the best, you guys. It's so fun and sweet and like laugh out loud funny. It's about um, two best friends who are real best friends in life, uh, Sam and Tim, played by Sam. I'm blanking on his last name. Tim Robinson and Sam Sam Richardson, who's also on Veep. Oh, um, they're so funny. Uh, so they play like advertising, like like low rent ad execs, basically. So you get the little bit of like a funny you know, commercial trope in there as well. But um, it feels kind of like a 70s buddy comedy, mm. like in a, in just like a fun way. It's like, a, it feels like a Bill Murray movie, basically. It's like real goofy um, and like uh, a little heightened here and there, but um, but got, it's got like a sweet heart to it. Um, like there, you believe their friendship is real. And I think that maybe is partially because they're actually uh, best friends in real life. Um, but the first season is only ten episodes. I loved every single one. Detroiters. Detroiters. Where can, I can see it. Comedy. Yeah, Comedy Hulu. Central app. Hulu. I think I had to buy it on Amazon. Amazon. But yes, it was worth it. Worth it. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna piggyback. I'll just pick a show that I like right now. Fleabag. That's like sure. Yeah. 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 Done. Go see Fleabag. On Amazon Prime. On or yeah, wherever you want. Fleabag. Yeah, it's um, it's too big. It's not like a. It, you need a. No, well, Detroit is probably big. Okay, Fleabag. I no, you. I'm, an I endorsement by, can be anything. Yeah, stand by yeah. Fleabag. Um, as what do you long as you're it? not getting paid to endorse it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> I wish that they would pay me to en- endorse Fleabag. They're making a second season, right? I hope so. I don't know that. I feel yet. like I thought I heard they were. She got hired on something fancy. That is, she was real good. Yeah. But I like the writing. Yeah. I was like, she was amazing, but I also just like snuck up on me. I think she wrote the show as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It was a fringe play beforehand. So it was a one woman show. You should just do my endorsement. I'm a fanboy. I got to admit, I just said, good show. It's about a woman that her life is kind of in ruins. She's not a good person. She narrates the show, which I usually hate. Honestly, like really, I don't like that. And she does it so well. She's an unreliable narrator, which is better. Right. 
but also there's just something really wonderful and magic and unexpected. Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite of House of Cards because he's like an unreliable person that te- is telling you the truth hmm. to your face. Maybe it's a British thing because hmm. that was a the House of the British yeah. House of yeah. Cards had that too. Hmm. Maybe they're just doing that over there. Maybe it's just actors that don't know not to look in the lens. No, <laughs> ah, just yeah. run with it. Run with uh, it. Just go, yeah. Okay, so Mo, how can we find out about When I Ship It comes out, all your other feature films, what your next project is? Do you tweet? Do you have a website? (laughs) No, I don't tweet, nor do I have a website. I usually have to make a Twitter account when I have a new film out because that's my job. Mm -hmm. I am DB. My last film is called The Last Time You Had Fun. Oh, cool. What's that that about? It's about... Drunken debauchery. It's a comedy. But you can see that anywhere. All the like Netflix maybe. It's on Netflix Hulu. streaming? Yeah. You go Last there. time you had fun? Last, yeah. Amazon, Netflix. All the oh, all I'll the places. Quiet Little Marriage is not streaming. Oh, interesting. It got bought by IFC, but they didn't they didn't stream it. You have to go get a <laughs> DVD. <laughs> it was it's like on French TV sometimes. I'm like, oh look. It's probably just a victim of that, the, time, that period. time period. Yeah, yeah, it was that time period. Yeah. And then I ship it. I don't know when they're going to release. Probably later on this year. And then... Um, Luckily, they have a media... They, they'll they let us know. Yeah. I ship it. Yeah. And then I have a bunch of... And it's of on CW Seed, right? CW Seed. Yeah. You had a season. bunch of new things? I've, I'm working... It, we're, I have like a... Maybe a new feature. Hey. Yay. Lion... Well, we'll keep an eye out for the new Twitter handle. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I know, I'm lazy. I well, just want to We'll just wait till it's on IMDb, I guess. <laughs> Twitter. I know it's my job. It's just, I have other jobs. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. Um, well, you can find out more about our show at Just Shoot It Pod on Twitter. Uh, or you can go to our website, justshootitpod.com. You can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Smitey Pileg. Or me at Mr. Matt Enlow. Uh, music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.